Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, myself and Nick sit down to break down the economy, the way we see it unfolding here in Canada and in the U.S., how the U.S. has a big impact on us, what the Bank of Canada is doing here, how interest rates are operating right now, what the next few months bring, what does the economy look like in the medium and longer term. We try to break it all down, and the reason that we look at this kind of stuff is that we are not economists ourselves, but unfortunately, the way the world works, the way the money game is set up is that we need to figure this self out for ourselves and our own families because no one really breaks it out for you. So this is our own discussion, our own analysis. Hopefully you can take a little idea from here, a thought from here. Maybe it acts as a springboard for you to dive in deeper yourself in some area. We don't claim to be economists, but we do love this stuff. I specifically love researching and reading all this material. It's turned into maybe, you know, a, a hobby. I was going to say a little bit of an obsession. I just, I just love it diving into this stuff. So it's fun talking about this stuff. It's fun being able to share it with you. But understand that we are not economists. We don't claim to be economists, but this is the research and analysis that we are doing for ourselves that we are sharing with you in hopes that it opens up some ideas or some thinking around the economy that perhaps you weren't thinking of before and that's it and if you are listening to this understand the first maybe 10 minutes Nick and I get on some chat about I don't know we're talking about coffee and uh, different things so it takes us maybe five or ten minutes to work our way into this episode but we do spend the rest of the time talking about the economy so uh, give it a little time to just uh, for us to little you know simmer a little bit before we get we, we get going and if you want more information about the real estate market and what we're doing in real estate you can find all the reports that we put out and specifically different books that we've shared with investors over the years we've been told that our newest book is probably the one we talk about the least it's the real estate investing blueprint and you can get a digital copy of that book at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. So if you want a digital copy of any of our books, you can get them free there. You can buy these books on Amazon, by the way. We sell them on amazon.com and on amazon.ca. But the reason we give away the books for free is that our hope is that we can give away enough good information that perhaps if you're in this area, one day we'll work together here at Rockstar. You know, so that's, that's why we're giving away this information. There's no big secret to it. We are giving away, our idea is that the information should kind of float out there into the universe. And if you think it's good, perhaps that piques your interest enough so that you'll cross paths with here, us here at Rockstar and the team here at Rockstar and we'll work together in some capacity in the future. And if not, hopefully you take away some good information and can put it to good use. And that's that. So in this episode, we'll dive into the economy. Let's get started. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Nick, it's your brother Tom. Can you hear me? Now I can hear you loud and clear with the fancy new fancy new po- the show sign. Is it a sign? What are we calling this thing? Yeah, I don't know. You, you can't see this, obviously, if you're listening to it, but I have a six foot by six foot print on acoustical soundboard in the office now to help with the acoustics in here and i was just telling nick it's awesome now this is great it is it is huge like i mean six by six doesn't sound that big until it's on the wall right next to you in in, in an office it's actually huge it's it is like your life your terms show sign yeah it says your life your terms well actually you know what we'll post a picture uh, of this with this episode and it has all these words that are meaningful to me over the last I don't know, my life. There's probably 50 words on here. Nick, we got to make one for you. Mario was asking if we're going to make one for you, by the way. He wants you to have one too. I don't know. Mike's, Mike's been collecting his words too. Some of the words I put on there, I don't think, I, I wonder what it would look like. It would be crazy if I go back to like through my youth and put some of the words of, of impactful moments. I don't even know if that, that's probably a scary <laughs> I mean, thing to put up there. Person. You're a different person than you were in your youth, but yeah. No, no, but if it's got to be a timeline. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's what I want. I want a timeline of all the crazy kind of impactful yeah, moments. Yeah, that would be good. That at the time that seemed would be like, good. you know, those moments that at the time you're like, oh my God, this is like the worst thing that happened to me. But then looking back two years, you're like, thank flipping God that God, happened. Yeah. That's yeah, what I yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, That actually ties in really well to today, today's discussion about the economy. Because I was thinking yeah. about this whole COVID thing and it's like everything in life that although there are bad things happening, of course, 
with with COVID, especially in these long-term care facilities that look like a freaking epic disaster oh, in Canada, yeah. especially. Um, there's always something that comes. I, I tell my kids this all the time. You can never think of a moment in time and decide if that's good or bad close to the moment. Yeah. You have to let time pass and reflect. The health stuff, I think, is, all always, the health is always bad. And I just mean I'm talking about personal, like any thing that's happened to my personal health. You know, I think those are kind of, I guess, maybe not always bad because there's been lessons that have come out of them as well. So I can kind of look at it that way. But, you know, your, your own health, whenever you go through a health kind of component, like injuries or that type of health stuff, those, tough, those always suck, you know. You know, when I was struggling through those concussion symptoms and stuff, it's just, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, the it's, only thing, though, is if, if, you, if you learn from it, right, and then, and then you change some habits because of it, and then you kind of go further. So it could be anything, like something simple as, like stretching, like your two, your back's always hurting. So you realize that it's tight muscles and you stretch more and you get a better mobility and that stuff, you know, so there is that component. So there, there could totally. be a silver lining, right? But do the health you, stuff stuff. Do you remember the summer in Croatia where I didn't lie on the beach for a whole month? I just squatted at the beach. I don't know if you yeah, remember no, that. I do. Cause I my like, SI what the wrong with you? My SI joint was hurting and I figured out that if I squatted, kind of felt like it was stretching out and I squatted for the whole month by the beach. I didn't lie down for the whole summer. And I was getting really good at squatting because the squatting sounds easy. But if you're listening to this, when you go home, if you can squat down and your ankle, your heels don't come off the floor. And hang out there for a while. And hang out there for a bit. Try to keep your heels flat and hang out in a squatted position. It's hard. And I remember when I first started, I could, I, do it, I did it for like three to five seconds. But then by the end of the summer, I could stay in that position over 10 minutes easy. Yeah. And what's it, funny is that when you watch kids, right? Because kids naturally can just sit there and they, they can play all afternoon like that. And it's just so freaky. And you realize that you're supposed to be able to do that. Yeah, but just, you know, through us sitting on these chairs all the time and we don't properly kind of get that range of mobility, we lose that. That's horrible. Anyway, okay. So that I don't know how we got onto that, that subject when we're going to talk about something really important with the economy. But uh, let's dive into it. So listen, there's a lot going on in the economy. And um, we like to analyze the economy because... It's the way we protect, I think, ourselves and our families from what might be coming down the pipe, right? Like we're looking at this information because we're trying to live life on our terms and to be able to live life on our terms and do all this kind of stuff, we need to be able to be prepared for what I would call the worst case scenario. To me, it's about trying to figure out this. And I, I'm not saying the system like the, you know, the, like the matrix or the the system of global elite type thing. I'm not talking anything like that, but it's trying to figure out the system so that I'm able to then understand how I can operate within that system to win. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it is. And it's no different than like, I mean, look, when I was in high school and I figured out certain ways that you can miss class without a, a, a late slip or something like that, like I was all about it. I was always trying to figure out a different, a little bit of a different angle of, hey, how can I kind of pull this off? And I kind of like, you know, I talk about efficiency a lot. You know, I, I like that type of stuff because I'm always trying to figure things out and like, how can I make things more efficient? So for me, it's like, how do I make that? Like, how do I figure this out to make it work for me? You know, that, so that's what it is. And I think it's important. It's essential. It's totally, not important. Yeah. Like it's, it's it, to me, it's a mandatory thing. Yeah. And the way I, yeah. So and it protects I, me and not just that, my family. That's yeah. the way I look at it as well. And then if, if you can take care of yourself, I think you're in a better position to help others. And I feel we're not taught the rules of the game. See, that was nice of you. See, mine was selfish. See, me and my family, no. you're talking about others. No, no, no. I know you. You you come across like a real gym guy who's going to lift weights. I know you're 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 a nice person. We've always said you're actually the nicer person. My gym guys who lift weights aren't nice people? Well, I think there could be a stereotype. <laughs> I, don't, I think there is definitely a stereotype. But no, <laughs> many gym types are <laughs> nice people. But what I was, what I was, uh, what I was trying to say is that... Uh, uh, without understanding the rules of the game, you can't put yourself in a position to win the game. And I think what we've been trying to do over the years is just figure out the rules of money. And it's what led us to studying the economy. You know, we're, I don't think we had this intent to become economists. We still don't. All we're doing is trying to understand the rules of the economy in which we play so that we can win the game. That's it. And winning the game is going to be different. I don't mean like, you're, you know, yeah, it's different for different yeah, people. I don't mean yeah. like you're going to be some billionaire or something. I mean, I truly mean to live life on your own terms. That's it. That's winning the game to me. You know, when I hear Rogan selling his, what is it, a couple of years worth of his podcast for a hundred million or everyone's kind of guessing. I don't, but, know, how long, but to me, I don't that's, know how long it was. Yeah. Everyone's guessing at it. To, to me, that's him living life on his terms, you know? And he came out, did you see that? There's a New York Times or there's a Wall Street, there's some uh, New York media interview with him that said one of the reasons he is 
he made the choice was because Spotify was going to say that he could say anything yeah. and interview anybody. I yeah, thought yeah. that's kind of interesting. Look, man, it's it's become more and more apparent right now. Like we, it's always been going on. Like Google's algorithms were fixed for certain things. Uh, that that's come out multiple times. Facebook's newsfeed they fix they, they kind of changed it for different things. Um, but now they're like, you know, they kind of used to hide that. Now with the pandemic, you know, right or wrong, you know, everyone's got their different beliefs. But now they're just overtly saying like, look, we're, we, this doesn't align with what we're choosing as our belief system. So we're removing it. And that's totally. it. You just don't get access yeah. to it. Yeah. So like, yeah, the, you know, and that's I think that's going to grow rather than 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 kind of, you know, it's going to be more of an issue rather than less of an issue. You know, what I, I, sorry, I was going to say. Should we, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we gonna gonna going? No, it's going to sing. The sound in here is really good, Nick. Not seven. Hold on. I have to put in the code so you can see my screen on our magical TV here. Hold on. Okay. So the starting, I have I have a magical little piece of paper. I don't know if you can hear this here, but the, on on this piece of paper, I wrote with the coffee stain. With the coffee, very it's important. an espresso stain. <laughs> on the stain, on the stained paper, I have this written down. That here's where our our own analysis of maybe reading, I don't know how many, I feel like it's thousands of pages of the latest economic data at oh this point gosh. and putting together different presentations and listening to different actual economists talk. We've made our own little summary of everything that we put together. And I would start it like this, that as Canadians, we have to look at what the U.S. is doing in the economy because we are an export-based economy. We export everything from minerals to fish to lumber to energy. Like we, we, we export everything. So we are an export-based economy. U.S. is, they take in about 75% of our exports. So just, it's natural that we look at the U.S. when it comes to the Canadian economy. They are also the biggest economy in the world. We happen to be their next door neighbor. However they go is how we will go. So as Canadians, we often on this podcast talk about the U.S. quite a lot for that reason. The way the U.S. goes is how Canada is going to go. We, Our Bank of Canada follows the Fed pretty closely. So we need to watch what they're doing. We have some subtle differences. Definitely, Nick, about population growth and stuff, which we can talk about because that's a biggie actually right now. But but anyway, there's there, there are unique differences, but it's a big enough neighbor and a big enough economy that would be foolish not to look at it. And what's happening in the U.S. right now is... The U.S. Federal Reserve, remember this is our, our own summary of what we're seeing. The U.S. Federal Reserve is buying treasuries and they do it through, you know, the primary dealers have to buy the treasuries then the Federal Reserve will buy from the primary dealers, but essentially they're buying these treasuries. And what that does is it puts reserves in at the big banks in the U.S. And that is solving any sort of liquidity problem those banks may have. Here's the problem with that. Which it, which were very real. At the start of very, this pandemic. Were very real. Were very, they started for, really for, last for, fall, for really. About a, for about again. a three or four day period, it was yeah. like a problem. Yeah, like a, a big problem. And the so way without we, them doing that, it would have been a problem. Yeah, and the right. way we saw that here in Canada is there was about a three day window where the variable rate discount on variable rate mortgages here in Canada went from like prime minus 0.345 to prime plus two, three, or four. And that's a sign that the credit markets are going wonky. When that happens within like a 72-hour window, you know something is going funky. Yeah. There was also that period of time where they started reducing the amount of cash you could take out from the bank. That was right at the same time. I know. it was, this, and, and I'm just wondering how much of that was related to that. And I think there was a portion of it. I don't know if they, they, did, they feared to run on the banks when all this started before things closed down. I wonder how much of it was, you know, how much was where that was weighted that decision but anyways we saw the same that type of stuff happening and we had multiple reports from multiple investors that we work with saying hey i went to the bank and it wasn't like they they reduced it to to a thousand bucks i think that the number i heard a number of times was like 500 bucks so yeah once even less some people seem to to kind of not see that so it wasn't like universal it, yeah, but it, it was multiple we were hearing multiple, multiple reports. yeah so it yeah. was it was interesting so anyways so that yeah, so, yes so, very real and the next so go on so the they, they, the banks have these extra reserves because what the U.S. Fed has been doing is being putting these reserves or incre helping increase the reserves at these banks. But the way we're looking at the economy from everything that we're looking, all the data that we're pulling in, is this isn't a liquidity problem this time in the economy. This is a balance sheet problem, meaning that big parts of the U.S. economy, including the government, including big corporations, including individuals, are carrying too much debt. And when people carry a lot of debt, even if a bank who has a lot of reserves and is able to extend lending, extends you the lending and says, hey, Nick, 
you want some more money? Here you go. Cheap interest rates. It's a, interest rates are really low. And normally, if interest rates go down, you're all over it. You're like, oh, hey, I'll take the easy money. However, if you don't like what you see in the economy ahead of you, and you're already nervous about carrying the debt that you currently have, you don't really want more debt. Because I, I, I don't know prudent, if the income's there, like to your point, to, to, to pay for the debt. To pay for the debt. And income's going to be everything. So that's, what, that's, that's the big problem. And even if the banks could lend, the spreads on what they are able to do now are so tight because the Fed has dropped rates so low. The and the way the bond market is working, to keep things simple, the banks typically borrow at one rate and they lend out at a different rate. Well, if there's three or four percentage points difference in that, that's kind of the margin, how they're making money. But when everything is getting compressed down and down and lower and lower and lower, the banks don't have enough margin to really do that in a profitable fashion. So the banks, now if I'm a bank and I look at the economy, I want to charge more interest than is currently acceptable because I look at these businesses that I'm going to lend out to and I say, you know what, there's some risk here. These guys, I don't know how they're going to do over the next couple of years. For me to be able to prof or comfortably lend that money, I want to charge a little bit of a higher interest rate. However, if, if I charge that higher interest rate, the borrower doesn't really want it. But for me, the bank, that's going to, it's going to make me comfortable because I have a risk now, the way the economy looks, that I might get defaulted on my lending. And a default on my lending in the bank's world is going to be a hit against their income. So they don't want that. So the banks have all these reserves, but they're going to run out of people to lend it. Remember, we're just, this is, again, remember, this is Nick and I talking. Two, two brothers from Mississauga sitting in Oakville talking about the U.S. economy. Well, I mean, look, it, it was no different than the last time. Uh, well, it is different, but I mean, the same type of thing happened the last time when there was all, when there, they did, it, when I say the last time, I'm talking about the 2008 financial crisis, when it was more of a liquidity problem. So they were able to prop up the markets by injecting all that money. Uh, I don't mean markets, I mean the economy, by injecting all that money into the, into the economy. However, at the same time, the, the, the money that they wanted to spur inflation to, to kind of get, get, get the economy moving, right, to more the velocity of money that they wanted to kind of move throughout the economy never really took off because the money got stuck in the banks or specifically the financial sector going into assets. So okay. it never had this, the same kind of, it never made it the same way. And it looks like, and now because of the income challenges, there's even less likely or even a smaller amount is going to make it out which is going to give us even less of a, a net benefit compared to the last time, right? Agreed. And after every recession over the last 20 and 30 years, the recovery seems to be taking longer and longer and longer. And the, low, the growth is lower. I remember what the growth is the lower chart? and the lower. The growth is almost, is it, I want to say half, but I remember there was a great chart showing after each recession how the, the, the nominal growth rate after is just, well, it GDP never recovers in the to US was. was over 3% before the year 2000 on average. And then in about mid 2000s onward, it's been in the two range. It's like 40% less over the last 15 years. Yeah, so, so it'll be interesting big, to see where this one goes because if it drops back down again and then continues oh, that trend line, it's, it's going I, to I, be- I can already make the guess that yeah. it's going to be barely a 1% mm -hmm. GDP growth rate. You know, can you pull that door open? I don't know what it is if it's hot in here. We don't have the air conditioning set right. Something. Are you hot? No, no I'm fine. But oh, I mean, I'm you're hot. you're definitely more sensitive than I am. I can I'm handle definitely, things. Definitely more sensitive. I have that DNA test. That new DNA test is going to tell me how, exactly how, how sensitive, sensitive I am. It's going to have a sucky factor. <laughs> oh, <it's>, <laughs> um, the uh, okay. So so yeah. So what's happening is there's just so much debt. And if if you're new to us or you know you haven't been hanging around these parts, we've been talking about debt as a big problem for a long time. And this is the reason that it's it's an issue is that when there's too much debt, you don't get the growth. And these, this one Harvard, I think they're both Harvard economists now, one wasn't, but that Reinhardt and Rogoff study that has all this controversy around it anyway, it was published in the year 2010. And basically they studied, you know, uh, hundreds of years, I think it's 200 years of different economies. I can pull it up. And um, basically they say once an economy gets to 90% uh, debt to GDP, that every new dollar that you put into the economy, if it comes from debt, you get less than a dollar of economic growth. And the reason that's a huge point, it kind of implies that going forward to solve this problem, if the governments around the world are now going to depend less on monetary solutions, because you hear the Federal Reserve on 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago, Chairman Powell said, hey, we're going to digitally create a lot of money. Right? But we could use fiscal help from the governments, meaning they want the governments to spend 
to try to spur this economy on. And what that likely means is that if that study is accurate, it would mean that it doesn't matter how much they're going to spend, they're not going to get the economic growth, which means the debt is going to increase faster than the economy. So your revenues against your debt are going to continue to go off balance. So it's this weird thing where, you know, what are we going to do? Are we just going to kind of stumble forward? And then things get even more interesting. Like this is like a fascinating time, I think, in, 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 in the economy. Economists must be just freaking out right now because with rates being basically zero, like the Bank of Canada's overnight lending rate is 0.25. So let's call it like zero, okay? So if the, if the, 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 the central banks have their rates at basically zero, what will happen? Wasn't it so much better when the door was open? Though you felt it, that air. Yeah, I'm leaving it open, but just uh, I hear the, uh, the, the background um, if, if, voices. If, if the if the uh, if the interest rates are basically at zero, and then the inflation rate in Canada, because the April number just came in and it's like minus 0.02 or whatever it is, but it is a negative number. The way you figure out real rates in an economy is you always take whatever the rates are. So in the Bank of Canada's world, it's zero or 0.25, and you subtract inflation. But when you subtract a negative number, I remember this from grade school, minus, minus equals, equals a plus. plus. Yeah. <laughs> so when you subtract a, a negative number, you are actually getting tightening. You're not getting loosening. Yeah, you're getting rate, uh, increasing rates yeah. or higher rates. Yeah. yeah, and for perspective, back in the 1980s, let's say, I'll use round numbers, but let's say um, interest rates were 10%. And everyone's like, holy crap, man, interest rates are 10%. That's incredibly high. But if inflation was going, which it was going really high, and let's call it for my purposes of my example right now, 12%. Well, then 10% minus 12% is negative two. The real rate is negative two, which would be less or lower than it is today with rates super low. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the economy is getting this tightening at effect at a time when it does not want tightening. Yeah, well, the government dropped rates by, by a point and a half. Essentially, they dropped them from 2%. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they went, I guess, 1.75. Was it a point and a half in total? Yeah, a yeah, point, point and a half, and a half yeah. since this. So they, but now they're right back to where they were because of what's happening. I guess the, 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 the question is going to be now if this trend continues or not, and, and I, there's going to be differing of, of opinions in, on that. But with the, you know, all the debt you were talking about coming due, and, and I mean, I, I mean, Scotia actually came out already and they announced what they put aside for bad loans. And then I saw another, I think it was like $8 billion. And I think over all the big five banks in total, they're expecting them to put, a, about, put aside about $44 billion in losses for bad loans now because yeah, of I this. Yeah, I saw the article, yeah. So that's going to be, I mean, there's all bad debt. That's going to bring the growth down further to create. And when this debt kind of like comes crashing down, it, it leads to these negative numbers, potentially these negative yeah. numbers, very, very low growth or further negative numbers. Which then, yeah, then it, you know, it, it, or long or more persistent negative numbers. Like it might not be a one month thing, which means we have these kind of higher rates for a period of time, which doesn't help us if that's what if that's what they're trying to use to spur the economy. It's crazy. Back. It's crazy. And then if you are, let's just say you're a financially healthy individual or family, and 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 you do get some money coming in at a time like this. Do you feel like just going and spending it? Are you are you booking the most luxurious vacation right now, or? Are you maybe looking at a little bit of debt you have in some area and paying that debt off? So let's let's say you have some credit card debt. Let's say you have some loan somewhere or something, and you decide, you know what, I'm just going to kind of take care of that now and pay it off to set myself up a little bit here because I don't know what I like to see, uh, I see going forward. The reason that's good for you the, as the individual, but very bad in the central planning, central banking planning world, is that you are making yourself healthier. But when you pay off debt at the source. So different than if I pay off you debt. But if I paid off at the source, you are actually killing money. Yeah, because when you put, put something on your credit card, there's essentially money creation is happening. You created it. And that's what, so when you pay off the credit card, you're essentially killing money. You're killing yep. money. If I pay off a debt that I owe to Nick Carrazza, that's different because then Nick, you can take the money and spend it somewhere else. And well, the money, and the money and then, was always in, it, it, it's, it's not being killed. Like I can't And it wasn't created. It, it wasn't exactly. technically created. It, it would was be all, nice if I, I do create some in my basement for anyone that's interested. No, no, I'm joking. No, but I you don't. do, you do <laughs> create money every time you refinance a property. No, I know. I meant uh, counterfeiting stuff, but I should oh. probably shouldn't even joke about See, that I was taking the serious angle and you were yeah. Someone's probably going to show up at my house. Yeah, hey, yeah, um, yeah. can we come in your basement? And <laughs> What are all these color photocopies? These advanced <laughs> yeah, color yeah. photocopiers? What's this special looking paper? Oh that my God, have? look, I want to set the record straight. There's none of that You're going joking. on. Don't, yeah. Don't, <laughs> please don't show up in my damn oh, house. <laughs> um, so basically, I guess to, just to kind of, uh, kind of uh, continue the thought, when, when economies become overextended, 
the, the, the extra stimulus becomes less effective. So like, it doesn't really matter how much lending is being offered, how much credit access, you know, exists out there. The economy itself, the individuals and the businesses, they automatically go into saving mode. So we're at this well, weird no, Look, you can't take a loan. If you don't have income to pay it back starting in the first payment, let's say it's even next month, you can't take the loan. You can't so, take the loan because you don't know how you're going to pay the loan. Yeah, there's no... And, and, with and the it government makes it difficult for the banks to lend because yeah. they're worried they're not going to get payment on their loan. And with the government shutting everything down, the amount of income being generated by people as a whole have just been drastically decreased. Decreased, right? decreased. Unless we all just get checks from the government forever. Yeah, but that... Because I had that thought. I go, maybe there's not going to be any more school and there's not going to be any more work. I know, but then because they're debt based, <laughs> then it we're work. just going to get checks in the mail forever. But uh, so, so this is the thing where I think, you know, to us, this isn't the way we are looking at it. And and again, we're just trying to make sense of it. Just like yourself listening to this is that it's not a liquidity problem. Like there, there's there's funding. There, there's options out there. Well, they fixed although that. it is tightening, and we can talk about what the BDC was telling you yeah. and that kind of stuff. And they fix and they fixed the, the, early on. There was a liquidity problem. They, they fixed, fixed the temporarily. It may, might come up again, but it, it was then. And they they learned from. It seemed like they learned to their credit, man. It seems like they actually learned something, right? Maybe not everything they should have learned, but it seems like from from the financial crisis. They learned that they had to act bigger and faster than they did before to kind of like really nip that in the bud, the liquidity problem, because last time it dragged on and it created more problems. So because they did that, they nipped some things in the bud. And that's why I think there, there weren't the same, there wasn't the same stresses on financial institutions, insurers and stuff like that as like we saw before. And it wasn't specifically that type of problem Agreed. either, right? But they did act bigger and faster than they did. They act huge. Right? Whereas they didn't take the incremental steps like they did last time. And I think there's just more to come. This is amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, you've seen their playbook. This is they, amazing they, in all the wrong ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've opened up their playbook, right? Like the playbook's there. They, they opened it up. They were very transparent about it before. They've opened it up since then as well. You've been able to see the moves. So this is it. They, they, this is them shooting their bullets. And there's, I don't know where you're going to head with, with this, but there's there's yeah. only a few my other scribbles. ones. You can yeah. see my scribbles. Well, there's the only paper. a few other ones that, that, you know, there's some that are kind of looks like is what they're leaning or the market's leaning towards. And we're curious to see how that's going to go too. So I don't know if we're going to get into negative rates at all. Yeah, or not, yeah. But so we're starting to see that on other places already, right? What I wanted to talk about was kind of if inflation does continue to go negative, what the weirdest thing would happen. So, you know, if we see deflation, Right. If we see deflation in the economy, the weirdest thing that happens on top of everything else that we've been talking about is that if you and I borrow a dollar today, if we do borrow a dollar today, but like, let's say inflation is like minus 1%, minus 2%, minus 3%, minus 4%, I don't know, minus five. It's not going to go to I've, minus five psychoaggressive, but, minus five but, is but, aggressive, but let's yeah. just say like minus one, there's minus big, there's very big problems in minus five. Yeah. You yeah. could take a small, well, as an example, you could take one or 2%, right? But if you borrow a dollar today, and there's deflation of 2%. That means next year, when you're making that payment back to whoever you borrowed, you're paying with a dollar that has the purchasing power of a dollar and two cents. And I don't think really anyone understands that world because we have not been brought up since you and I were born. We have not been brought up in a world to understand that cash can appreciate can in go, value, can, can, your purchasing power can, be, can increase. Can year over year, right? We're so trained to think that it's going to go down year over year. And let's- Well, the governments will overtly express their stated goals are for positive inflation, not yeah, deflation. The Bank of Canada's stated goal is 2%. is 2% on the Bank of Canada. That's their website. That's their whole purpose in life. Yeah. And that's how brutal they are because they never get it right. <laughs> they never get it right. We still need to get into a meeting at the bank. Yeah, they're horrible at their goal. But but then, but then it also introduces a lot of other things, right? Because deflation is a very serious thing. And if that happens from my kind of historical readings on it, are we going to be in a world where wages need to be cut? Because if we're in a deflation where there's less money floating through the economy, that pulls down the value of everything. Not the value, sorry. It pulls down the prices. The value of the dollar is going up, but it pulls down the prices of everything. There's less dollars floating through the economy. Does that not have an effect on everything? Hard assets, wages. Who's ready for that world? And that's why the central bank can, and on top of why the central bank can't have that happening, it makes debt as a percentage against tax revenues in the government even worse 
this is their this is a serious yeah like, like they're gonna do everything in their ever, power to fight this they, they do not want this and i think i forget where i was reading or one of the economists that, that i was listening to and you know they said that like look from bernanke you know through the the, the fed chairman's through uh, from bernanke to um yellen to powell did i miss one no bernanke yellen powell yeah right? that's right yeah greenspan um, before him yeah, they, they, this has been what they've been fighting this whole time. They've, it's like they've been very open about... Yeah. about we can't you, have this. Yeah. We can't have and all this. Their policy, then they're getting this. Yeah, <laughs> and all their policies around it. It's like, um, you know, it's like the, the one... You know when you, you don't want something, but you focus on it so much that it happens to you anyways? Yeah. You know, even though you're trying We've to... We've all do, done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. that's happening to them. Yeah, it's like when I'm doing double-unders at the gym. And if you don't know what double-unders are, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life when you get the skipping rope to go twice underneath your feet. And I'm like, I don't want to trip. I don't want to trip. And I just think about tripping, and then you trip. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole thing. Um, yeah, so, very good analogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The economy <laughs> is like, like skipping double-unders. <laughs> um, anyway, so deflation, um, the reason that this deflation thing is such a big deal is that if this takes hold in the economy... The reason, Nick, and I've been thinking about this, I have some friends who are in the retail industry. They are telling me about the stores that are going to be opening up. Now listen to this. They don't want the inventory that they thought they were going to want because their stores are fully loaded with product. Yeah, product that they should have sold three months ago. So think about this for a second then. Stores open up, but they are not going to produce new economic activity through new inventory orders. Because they already have inventory. Yeah, they're trying to offload the debt that they have from those ones. So even if the economy opens up, which is good, I don't know of the quote-unquote economic benefit that's going to happen. And this is while you hear some, why, 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 I can't speak, why you'll hear some economists talk about an output gap. That there's this kind of like lax or, you know, this, this kind of extra in the economy we really don't need to produce everything we were producing because the demand for it doesn't exist. And then if you have people saving money and spending less, it kind of creates this self-fulfilling prophecy where the demand's just kind of like not there. And, and, And we'll talk about maybe how you get out of this in a second, but the next thing I wanted to talk about on top of all this, the US are the biggest economy in the world next to us. The demographics of the US don't seem to help them out. I mean, I've been hearing Harry Dent talk about demographics, I feel like, Mm -hmm. since like the beginning of time. And it was never like monetary policy always trumped his demographic angle. If you're not familiar with Harry Dent, he's basically always said that the economy is in trouble because the baby boomers are going to be retiring and, you know, they're going to spend less and it's going to pull down the economy. But the way that was thwarted for the last like 15 years, 20 years is that the central bank in the U.S., the Fed, just put interest rates lower and made the economy economy work. And but they're out of, they're out of they're, ammunition they're now. They're out of ammunition because yeah. the rates are like at zero. So now we have demographics on top of everything we said with the debt in the world. Now you have demographics, which Harry Dent, now it's like, okay, Harry Dent, you're up to, you're up to bat because now it seems like what you're talking about actually applies. Yeah. You know, they kept talking about kicking the can down the road. Well, they're just kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road. You know, it seems like in some capacity, and we, I mean, I don't know, we'll see what else they might have up their sleeves, but it seems like the end of the road is coming, you know, nearer because they can't kick it down anymore because, again, they're running out of ammunition unless they do things that we've never seen before. And then, and then they have to try to figure out the impact of those. And because we've never seen them before, the impact's a little bit unknown. What is it going to work? Is it not? And what's the good side to it? What's the bad side to it? Right. That's that's. And it seems like. I mean, look, we've already headed in that direction too. From the again, the, I'll just I just go back because it's just the most recent one. But if you go back to the last financial crisis, the way they injected all that money into the economy, that had never been done been done before. Like that that global creation of money from um, multiple central banks simultaneously, it had never happened before. And now we're seeing the effects of that, right? And we're we're learning now. So. Now they're trying to take those lessons. Of their, they're like, they're learning in real time. It's not like they've been like, oh, okay, here's, this happened. Now we're going to do this. They're like, this happened. Shit. Shit. <laughs> what are we going to do? It does Let's feel like they're learning in something real time. Out. Well, they are. I mean, if, if, if they've never done it before, it doesn't matter what models you they play out and whatever spreadsheets or programs or whatever the hell they're using. If it's never happened before, you don't know how it's going to work in the real world. It's no different than when you take something into theoretical and you're like, oh, well, here's how these things work. And then you kind of go on the streets and try to implement something on the street that you think some theory based. 
man, when you're out on the streets, things are, there's a number of other factors that you can't account for in any theory-based education environment, like exactly. classroom or whatever. Like, psych- like human psychology. Exactly. You can drop rates as low as you want, but are you going to change Nick Karadza's mind on whether he should borrow or not borrow? Well, if they drop them low enough, yeah, they'll change my well, mind. I know, but you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're a financially responsible person and you can make that choice, so, but some people aren't going to even yeah, be sure, able to yeah. make that choice, right? Um, and, and so when you layer in, the, I guess, the, 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 when you layer in the demographics, it kind of makes it obvious that like if people are getting older, it doesn't matter what the Fed does to help the banks out so they have more reserves to lend. If you are an aging population, yeah, you, you, have, you have even less reason that you want to you borrow. And, and in this, I guess well, the, you spend less already. You typically yeah. spend less already, and plus you're you're kind of you you generally tend to hoard your cash a little bit more because you don't know how long you need it for. So, but your needs also go down. Like just just even like your dietary needs go down, and you like in all sorts of factors. You don't buy as many new cars. You don't. You're not having kids, so you're not spending money on the household and all this other stuff, right? So overall, you're just spending goes down yeah. with that age bracket. I was just thinking about the dietary needs. Maybe they go up. Maybe not needs, but yeah. but quantity. I think the quantity. The quantity. quantity. That's what the I meant. The quantity of the steak that you're going to eat is going to be less. Yeah, I'm just basing it off our parents, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. No, our father does eat less. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the Federal Reserve they can, they they can help lending or kind of facilitate the idea of lending, but they can't create income for people, and I think that's like the biggest thing. And I think going forward over the next, Nick, I think it's the next two years, three years, five years, decade, income is going to be the unicorn that everyone will be after. It's why I think smart, realistic, sophisticated investors who can create income out of good income property are going to be the unicorns of the world. Because if you have the knowledge to buy a hard asset and create income with it, you know how, just think of all the big fund managers in the world right now chasing income all over the world. Think if they could buy a whole pool of 2,000 single-family homes around Ontario that produced income on a monthly basis. Well, you know the answer to this. Yeah, no, right? I know. And, and the reason I know, yeah, because I have a few friends in the industry yeah. and I talk to them that whole bit. Of course, they'd be interested. It's just they can't play in that market. Yeah. Whereas the individual said. real estate investor, this is where out of understanding the game, we feel there's always an angle where we can be profitable for ourselves and our family. Who became the largest, on this point, who became the largest landlord in the States? Remember when they yeah, were buying, was it BlackRock that was doing yeah, that? Yeah, there, there was two or three of them yeah. that were just buying and swaths they started buying of properties. Of those single family homes yeah. to purposely rent out. They started doing that a number of years ago. I'm just I'm just thinking back now. I'm like, hey, I wonder if there was foresight in that or not, or they were doing it for other purposes. I don't know if they still hold those or not. I actually don't, don't know the latest on that. But yeah. uh, but it was interesting that like a, 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 a financial institution at that level was starting to play in that market, which is what, you know, I guess a lot of people would consider the mom and pop investment market where it's like a single family rentals type thing. Um, but they were doing it and they, they do they were doing it because of the profit they saw in it. And the what? profit they were seeing was, was the income component of it because of where prices were versus rents. And that's why they were kind of acquiring these can properties. Can you imagine a big a fund of some sort calls us and says, hey, can you guys help us find some property? And we just tell them to stuff it. You know what? Go screw yourselves, guys. <laughs> we're protecting the people we work with. You're on your own. We got this game figured out. Get out of here. Scram. Scram. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. We got to record the call. Got to record. Scram. Okay. You, we got we got enough of our own problems over here. We don't need to be helping you out. You take care of yourself. Get out of here. Anyway, anyway. Um, so this is the kind of thinking that we're we we're very aware that as the economy opens. I guess what Nick and I talk about, and at Rockstar we talk about a lot, is that as the economy opens, we are somewhat interested to see if this whole, you know, the positivity that's naturally going to occur out of the reopening of the world. Although McMaster just said they're going to like 100% online. Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Let's just not even go there for a second. But let's say there's this positivity that the world's open. The the, the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup. If and, they ever and we get can't, a- you realize they're winning this year because we can't have the parade. If Because there's look, the parade is impossible. Look, no, if, this if, is the year the Leafs are going to win the Cup no. because it's just perfect for Toronto because we can't have a parade. Look, it, mark my words. If, no, we're if, winning if, this year. If Toronto, we're a young team. No, but what I'm they got young you legs. Is if Toronto wins this year... There is no holding back this city. Social distancing or not, it'll be social distancing. Be damned. Can you imagine there's the no threats, hold, there, the threats by the government? Oh yeah, that for but there's no holding people back. There is no it'll way. It'll be chaos. Yeah, it will be chaos. And then people, there might not be the flights to fly. We will in. make the people, global news. People will be we, global news <laughs> yeah. will be focused on Toronto. <laughs> Look at these people. What's wrong yeah. with them? But yeah, hey, yeah. you know the Leafs are important. You have to take some risk to celebrate that. Because look. 
it might be the only time in your life, no matter what. Oh, right. So not it. You know be, they're winning the cup this year. Be. No, because you know why? Listen, there'll be a big asterisk next to it, and there'll be no parade. That's perfect for Toronto. Well, the announcement, the back to the back, the announcement comes out today about the NHL's plans to get back. Oh, does yeah. it? Yeah, that's there. I, I I was looking at it earlier, so he <sighs> says it comes out today. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so basically, I guess back to the point of the opening and oh, the positive. On that note, though, I gotta be honest. Playing like when you're when you play at that level, right? And I know you're ultra competitive and you're good and stuff, so it still matters. But how different would it be? Like think of basketball. Oh, like the there's Raptors. a Dortmund Byron game on right now from Germany, and you can hear the players talking. And they were talking about how they're already seeing in the Bundesliga that the home advantage is disappearing. Yeah, because they don't no, have the fans behind them. Yeah. Just think, so when you hit that, like I was thinking basketball, like the Raptors last year, because I was watching some of the replays, I'm like, man, when they hit that big shot and everyone jumps up and you get all pumped up, next time it'll just be like, you'll be like, yeah, that's it. Can you imagine Kawhi made that shot and there was no fans there? Oh, that's what made that shot even good was the reaction after, right? Um, So I guess what we're very sensitive to and what we're aware of is, will there be some positivity that's going to come into the economy over the next maybe two, three, four, five, six months, maybe longer even. But then is there a realization to, to everyone that, oh my gosh, you know, the economy is not really turning around the way we thought it was going to turn around. And in that, in that moment in time, what does the bank of Canada do? What does the federal reserve do? Is that when the Federal Reserve starts putting money directly? Because there, I, I believe there, the Federal the Federal Reserve Act does not allow them, from what I understand, to buy things in the economy directly. Like they can't just start buying. Like we will buy all these jeans from you. <laughs> they can't, you know, they can't pay for things like that directly. They have to just put money into the reserves of the banks. But when they they do buy corporate bonds as well. They are uh, playing in the ETF market and stuff like that. Just recently because yeah. of this. Yeah, and right. that must fall under Somehow liquefying they've, they've, the markets and stuff like that. Yeah. But they can't, f- they can't buy things in the economy directly. Mm-hmm. So, But if that changes, that's when we go from deflation to inflation. And that's, that's why when it, it could be some, somewhat confusing if you hear myself and Nick talk because we believe at this time you and your family – need to be prepared for a deflationary future and an inflationary future simultaneously because the transition from deflation to inflation can be pretty quick, you know, and, and, and it's not something that I think you're going to get like a three-year warning for. It could be something that happens in a period of, of 12 months, nine months, maybe even six months. So that's why we believe everyone needs to be set up for both situations. So basically, you know, the Fed... Is, is doing this in the States. The Bank of Canada has been sending out their CERB checks and doing everything and the student, um, the student stuff that they've been doing and the money's kind of flowing in and now if the economy reopens, there's definitely going to be some positivity in the economy. But what we are concerned of is what is the GDP growth of the economy in the US and in Canada going to do when the labor market, the, the unemployment rate might be really high and capital might not be flowing through the economy because those are those are two huge inputs into GDP. So if that is not happening, what is going to happen to the economy? And if the central bank see the economy not react positively, what is then their response going to be? And that's kind of where we're at. That's that's where we're at right now. We're seeing some deflationary signs. We're seeing the Federal Reserve Act we're seeing them put reserves into the bank. We're seeing the Bank of Canada send out the checks, but these checks are going to stop at some point. I know they extended the payroll protection plan or the Canadian, no, Canadian the payroll, one, whatever that that one is, a three month subsidy. But what happens unless these just go on forever? What happens when these stop? What happens when CERB checks stop? What happens? Well, not just that, and the mortgage deferrals, right? The people yeah. that deferred their mortgage yes. when when it comes due, and their their payments are so, going to go up as well. So this is the economic timeline that we're very sensitive to. So the next few months will just be kind of interesting, but the only way to it's basically the fall, the fall kind of the should fall. be when we have a, a better sense of what's going on because a lot of this artificial kind of propping up of the market will, I mean, unless those announcements change, should kind of subside by then. We should get an understanding of what. Um, you know, the, the landscape's going to look like based on, I mean, maybe the government finally gets together and gets some sort of, like, some sort of uh, 
standard set of whatever regulations or whatever they're going to put in place because you know they're, they're going to, you know, likely, like with most things, it's probably going to be overreaching because that's generally how these things go. Like it just overreaches one way and then there starts to be some sort of loosening or whatever. So it's probably going to be pretty, pretty, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of that stuff in place, which is going to impact the economy as well. Yeah. And how much are the banks going to tighten? The banks are just, I feel like the banks are going to tighten more before loosen. You mean they're lending? They're lending, they're lending standards. They're lending standards, yeah. sorry. Yeah, the lending standards of the banks, I feel, are going to be cranked higher and higher and higher well, because the, the banks are going to look at the risk in the economy and go, whoa, we're not going to be lending. Well, what's interesting is that this, from the Scotia announcement, they said, now I don't know where they come, what, you know, the, what the market expected versus what they did, and they should have more insight into their books, whatever, but the amount that they provisioned for losses was less than what the market expected. So does that mean they're like, okay, we think these are going to be the losses and what we're going to do to prevent future ones are we're just going to tighten really hard so that we don't have future ones so that we can keep this number as low as possible, right? We, we don't know. It'll be interesting. Well, we kind of do know. Like we, we're starting to see signs of that already, really, right? But the government's coming out and I don't know if we spoke about this here or not. I mean, this was pretty open. The government's been coming out already and is trying to kind of get the banks to, to be lending the money and the banks are being resistant to it. So there's going to be this this fight between the two, and I think we we had spoken. And about I think that for past. a while the banks are going to win because the bank. Why would they start? Just if the if the government encourages them to lend, the banks are still going to say like, if I'm the CEO of one of the big banks in Canada, I'm like, well, screw you, because you know what? If any of the lending that we do defaults on it, we have to take that a hit. We're a publicly traded company. I got to protect the stock price. Mm-hmm. La 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 la. Why am I going to you know government help you out? So the government's um, going to have to step in in a big way unless they backstop it and take it off their books. That's what I mean. The, ba- the government's going to have to step in in some big way and say, hey, look, you lend, and if anything goes bad, we got you. Yeah, which was which is what we were seeing CMHC do, financial crisis, and again, this time, is they were buying mortgage securities from the banks and taking it off their books to reliquify them so they could do f- to have further lendings, yeah. or, you know. And on, on Canada's website, actually, right now, it has been saying that the Bank of Canada, uh, sorry, the Bank of Canada's website, they do say that they are currently intervening in the markets. And I wish we could get more data around, and they say intervening in the financial markets. It's right there, plain as day, on bankofcanada.ca. I wish we got to know what exactly they were doing in the financial markets currently. And it's what I do appreciate about the U.S., although they definitely are, you know, have some crazy issues in the U.S., the, the, the way they publicly put out their information around what their, their economy is doing is really good. It is, it is way easier to find informa- oh, U.S.-based information. Easier. The thing is, it impacts us directly because multi- like the, the handful of times through history that the Bank of Canada has really diverged from the same types of trends or programs that the Federal Reserve has done have been very few. And when they have happened the Bank of Canada has had to kind of revert course to where, where they've where they've been. Totally. So, it's, like, so, it's like three times in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, of it. and yeah. They've, had to, they've had to kind of reverse course. So, so it doesn't... You can't fight it. Yeah. No, our economy is just too small. To, too small. We have, the, their moves just impact us too much. So we got we to kind of watch that. So it's well, worth, it's well worth understanding what they're doing because it can impact us the same, very similar way. So if we were to break down the options that we have now, you the can... Whole, but you didn't talk about the... I'm just looking over the population growth stuff, which we didn't get back to. No, in to. Canada, yeah. I'll talk about that in a minute, about properties okay. and stuff. But I guess at this point in the economy, we have the option. You what, what, what they can do in the U.S. or in Canada, you can save your money and pay off your debt. So that, that's an option for the economy, which I'm sure the central bankers don't want because saving money isn't encouraging the economy to grow. So that's not what, what they, that's not their preference, although it might be a great smart idea for the individual to do. And I'm sure the personal saving savings rate is going to go up greatly in Canada and the U S over the next few months, but that's not the answer that the central banks want, or they can issue more debt and just kind of struggle along the way it's been struggling along, or they can get directly involved in the economy and start influencing the economy directly by by printing money and not just liquefying or, or creating reserves in the banks. They could start playing in the economy in a much more in, active way, and that could spur on inflation. Or There, there has been or, talk. Where was I hearing that? Some of the past... Oh, Yellen. Wasn't Yellen ta- having Janet Yellen? Wasn't she having an interview where she kind of mentioned that they might they should start looking at that? Like I now, think she did. Now yeah. that she's not at the head anymore, she's like, yeah. oh yeah, you just start yeah, looking at that. Start doing she, that. Yeah, it's not. You don't hold my feet to the fire anymore. Because the last option is you default on debt, and you, there to me that's not really going to happen because the people who are holding that debt are a lot of the biggest power players in the U.S. They're a lot of the banks. 
So they're not going to want that to happen. So basically default, not going to be an option. Save, government doesn't want you to save and pay your debt. So then they can either struggle along the way things have been going and see what happens, or if things get a little worse, they can inflate it away. That's, that, I, I don't, you know, those to me are the options that we're facing. Well, and that's what's happened in history. Yeah, that's yeah. It's not a big. This isn't like a new thing. This is what's happened in history. That's the way they've gotten out of similar, not to this extent, but similar types of situations in the past. And it's why we've talked about you know to have these kind of to to survive to live life on your terms. We believe you need these like you need cash in your life, direct cash. You need insurance on the system. To us, that is sound hard money, which is gold and silver. You know, to some people, it could be things like Bitcoin and that kind of stuff. Whatever your sound hard money is to you as insurance on the system. And then finally, you need income producing hard assets because if because if deflation takes hold, your cash is going to be worth a lot. Cash will be king. If inflation takes hold, your hard assets, especially ones that produce income, are going to be gold. So with cash and income producing hard assets and then with some insurance on the system in the form of sound money, you're covering all your angles. Remember, this is just our opinion, by the way. This is how we're playing the playing the game. But that's to us protecting all the different angles. And the reason, Nick, to get to your population bit, the reason that Canada and specifically the GTA is like this weird little place is because unlike the US that has a demographics problem, Canada on a whole might have a similar demographics issue, but the GTA gets such population growth in here. I'm curious, and I don't, I don't have the answer. I'm curious to see, wow, does the amount of population growth that we have in here, we have actually a report on rockstarinnercircle.com about the population growth over the last few years in this area. We've talked about it with different Rockstar Minutes that we've put out on YouTube and that kind of thing. Does the population growth, which this year is definitely going to be muted, let's face it, with everything going on, but in the last five years, it's been incredibly high. And we've been looking at the immigration um, targets that, the, that Canada wants to hit. That looks like the future is going to be extremely high. Does that mean we are going to have cheap money in a place with a growing population base? And are we in a weirdly strange place that if there's going to be any positive economic activity in North America, do maybe we kind of somehow weirdly get it here? Yeah, it's something to think about for sure. Because when I was looking at the, the U.S. population growth numbers and how they've been kind of like not healthy over the last, I don't know, however long, and then I see ours over the last... I don't know when they really started spiking up. It was what, 2014? Yeah, 14. I think, think it's when, when the liberals came in. Was that somewhere, what, right? Yeah, somewhere around that. I mean, but anyways, let's say the last what, six, eight to 10 years, something like that. You know, it's, um, and, and we've seen the impact. And I'm like, hmm, it, it just, it, it, it made me pause. Like, I, I don't know. I, you know, like to your point, I don't know if that, how that's going to work out or not. But I'm like, huh, that's interesting because we do kind of have a leg up on some of these other economies that have gone through something like this because, because of that. And we could be fortunate. It could help. It, it could really help us at this point. It may. You know? and, and when we were and looking... generally, they're young, it's younger too, right? So that skews younger, which helps us as well. And we have a good, we have a good immigration system um, because it's points-based. But something to, that you yeah, were saying... Yeah, we get high-quality immigration. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then one of the, uh, one of the points you were, you were making about... Um, oh, yeah, the, the immigration numbers, we may not hit them. But even with all this, you know, the borders aren't closed. Like, their immigrants are still coming in. If they've been approved and there's temporary foreign workers and stuff like that, there are people still coming into the country. Yeah, they're they landing are, at Pearson right now. Yeah, they have to self-quarantine and that type of stuff. But there are people coming in. So the immigration numbers, it's not like for the last, you know, whatever it's been, two and a half months or something like that, that immigration has stopped. That's not the case. So, yeah, they might be smaller. And I'm curious to see where the, where the immigration numbers actually end up. Be, with all this going on but because initially i was like oh yeah there's, they're going to be like they're going to take a big hit but then when i learned that that these plane loads of people are still coming in and there's less plane loads of people obviously yeah, it must, in still the skies be, it must be substantially down i'm thinking but it's going to be i'm just I, I yeah i'm not saying it's going to be the same or anything i'm just interested to see where it ends up like i'm really interested to see where it ends up because you'd think of, of any time if we're trying to attract immigrants obviously this is going to be the biggest thing that could impact the immigration number that we have for the the, the short term other than like stated government they they just change the immigration policies altogether. So that's why I'm interested to see what these numbers look like. And generally, we get some sort of numbers released halfway through or those types of things. So we, if we can, you know, in a month or two, we might have a little bit of insight into those numbers and where they, where they want, where their, the, the initial goal was to where they ended up so far. 
And on top of that, we haven't talked about just global economic events like when you see the stuff going on in Hong Kong right now oh, with China, with China's Communist Party kind of getting more and more involved in Hong Kong. I got part of me thinks like Canada still a destination. Is there going to be more people trying to move capital out of Hong Kong or is, that, is all that capital already gone? Remember, we did analysis. We did a blog post like five years ago on what we assumed was the amount of money coming out of Asia in general to Canada. But it just makes me think, I'm like, hey, I don't know, like, is there going to be a lot more money now just flowing yeah. from Hong Kong directly into Toronto? And that, that again, can, in a strange circumstance, because what's happening in Hong Kong is not a positive, but that strange circumstance there, does that bring capital and people some, here and create yeah, a positive, a positive over here? here? Yeah. Or at least does it like mute the negative that would be happening? Will, yeah, we'll here? see. You know what I mean? I, I, you know what? I, I it wasn't a study. Now I'm remembering where I heard it. And I wish I had the actual source from here, but I'm pretty sure it was when I was listening to, it was in a, like a James Altucher podcast with Mark Cuban. I think that's where, where I heard this. And they were talking about immigration um, because Mark Cuban is part of the kind of economic kind of startup team or whatever for, for the white, whatever that means with the White House. And they were talking about where immigrants look to to go when they did there was you know like a study that or i guess some sort of survey or poll that went into people that are immigrating where they're looking to go and canada was number two or number three on the list america was number one and then we were number two or number three which was uh i guess not as surprising as it should have been but i mean there's just a strong demand still to come here for a lot of really good reasons like we're fortunate we have a lot of really well if you're going to start a family in this look at our healthcare system look at our education system yeah 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 and that and to be fair too like this specific area i mean i'm more familiar with this area so i'll say it. i mean it happens in other areas of canada as well but um the diversity and in this area and i'm not saying everything's perfect but the acceptance of the diversity they've had many people come from other other countries and other cities and they're like man like you guys it just it, it's just a weird city that way you, you know what i mean there's a lot of the diversity is kind of well accepted and kind of a lot of and I'm, again i'm not saying we're perfect but compared to some other places, it's it's we're definitely kind of on the higher end for that type of thing. And I think that benefits, obviously that type of environment would benefit immigrants as well. Because if they if that gets out, people are coming to that type of um, environment where there's like more acceptance, let's say, then they like that, right? So it'll, it'll just, yeah, it, it's interesting. But it, it, it's, it, I think it was an important factor before. Like, I, you know, we've been talking about it for a long time and that's why we've been tracking it. And I'm just wondering, like, does that the the importance of that? I guess com, that combined with the population growth. So really, the population growth and the immigration is part of that. It might become even more important than than it was. You know, like the next five years, those numbers might be more important than they were even in the last five years, and they were very important in the last five. So yeah. we'll see. So Anyways, much I know was, it's clear so as much because we can, yeah, we like you don't like we don't know. We don't have a crystal crystal ball. We're not pretending we do. We don't know. No, but we're just trying to base it off what we've seen in the past and you kind of learn from these kind of the trends that you've seen and the impact they've had and if if you know those trends did that then moving forward if they're it looks like they're going to be this what's the yeah. impact well, you can kind way? of see the patterns repeating exactly and sometimes yeah. the pattern gets a little stronger and stronger as it repeats and you can kind of see it and yeah. anticipate some of these moves there's just a lot in today's environment there's just a lot more unknown because so much is dependent on the government like there's so much regulation going to be forced down our throats, whether, you know, some people are happy about it, some people aren't, but it's coming. Which, which, and, is, which is almost a shame because it turns all of us into these armchair economists that we don't want to be. Like, why should you and I be looking at the economy to try to figure out the money game in our lives? Like, it should be pretty easy. Like, produce something of value, a good or a service. If the economy or the marketplace responds and makes that profitable, that's all you really need to know about the economy. Let's face it. Yeah, but it just but, doesn't work. But like it doesn't that. work that way, no. and it forces all of us into this armchair. You got to figure out the game. You got to figure it out, and it's kind of like it kind of sucks. You know, it's it, some somewhat. It's fun. I do. Well, it gives I you something. Really it gives, it gives you. It's, it's, it's a hobby as well. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's 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 an important one. You you got to have at least a little bit of an understanding of the rules of the game, so then you can play it to win. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and I don't mean to win to crush other people. I mean to for yourself. Yeah, just, exactly. It just goes back to just creating the life you want for yourself, right? Yeah. So I think uh, there's more to talk about, Nick. Let's leave it at that for now. Anything else that you wanted to share about the the beautiful image up here and all the words on the on the screen? I think now when people come and they're on the the Your Life Your Term show, we'll ask them to pick a word and they can talk about it. What do you think? <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's a talk, good idea. These things, uh, this thing looks good. No, no, this thing looks good. And I don't know. We we covered a lot of economic stuff, so 
hopefully it was worthwhile and made sense to some people and stuff. As it's been worthwhile to us, and that's why we keep diving into this stuff. It's not just worthwhile. I, I can kind of understand. It's important. It. It's been essential to us. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're not getting what you need from, from obviously from this pod, not that we would be any sort of competent, no, maybe we gave source. you something to think about and exactly. go, go look for the sources that you value and stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. If a yeah, little yeah. thought here encourages you to do the research for yourself and you're from, that's all we want. You know, we want you to live life on your terms and that means expanding your own knowledge on this stuff. Yeah. Don't, don't listen to what we have to say on this stuff. Use it as a, as a, a little bit of a springboard. Perhaps that's it. That's it, everyone. Until next time, your life, your terms. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that talk about the economy with myself and Nick. We're going to be doing more of this over the next few months, probably a little more often than we have in the past, just with everything going on. Um, so stay tuned for those episodes. And if you are listening to this and you want some real estate investing information, you can find all of that at rockstarinnercircle.com. So that's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. If you are not part of our weekly email that goes out to tens of thousands of people across Canada, you can register for that email at rockstarinnercircle.com as well. So that is www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.